This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katulka. We're wrapping up our series on the parables of Jesus today, but before we get started, I want to share with you a new book we've been featuring on the program, The Sign of His Coming, by author Dr. Reynolds Showers. In it, Dr. Showers explains an often misunderstood part of the Bible, Matthew chapter 24. And as Steve mentioned, we're ending our series on the parables of Jesus. You know, parables are true-to-life stories that Jesus would use as a vehicle to carry the truth of God's kingdom agenda. And today we're going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 15 to the parable of the lost sheep. When God and all of heaven rejoices over one sinner repenting and turning to Christ. And then we're going to finish our conversation on why Jesus chose to speak to his disciples and followers in parables and then apples of gold. So I was reading in the news that the United Nations Cultural Agency, UNESCO, is at it once again. A new UNESCO draft resolution constantly refers to Israel as an occupying power and calls on Israel to halt construction building and archaeological digs in East Jerusalem. It asks them to refrain from any building activity at religious sites in Hebron and to remove the Gaza blockade. The draft resolution was submitted to the UNESCO board by Algeria, Egypt, Lebanon, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, and Sudan, which are predominantly Muslim countries. Friends, this is yet another attack on Israel from the United Nations to delegitimize their presence in their ancient homeland and and to put them in a position of weakness by demanding the Gaza blockade be removed. I think we need to pray that the new UN General Secretary, Antonio Guterres, has the common sense to call out these unnecessary UNESCO resolutions. Does Jesus really care about everyone? Can the compassion and grace of Christ really clean the dirtiest heart? Brian Welch would say yes. Life was spinning out of control for Brian. As the lead guitarist for a rap metal band, people loved his music. They practically worshipped him. He made lots of money. He had cars, homes, and women, but still found himself crippled by the addiction to meth. And he once said, I couldn't stay sober, I didn't know how, and I hit rock bottom. So we're ending our series today on the parables, and we started by looking at the parable of the mustard seed, where God shared the story of the humble beginnings of the kingdom and what its fulfillment will look like when Jesus returns. And then we looked at the parable of the unforgiving servant last week, where Jesus taught that one of the central features of the kingdom is the power of forgiveness. And then finally today, we're going to look at the parable of the lost sheep from Luke chapter 15. So let's go back really quick and look at exactly what a parable is. You know, parables are stories, and stories are some of the most effective ways to communicate truth. And Jesus used the power of good storytelling to teach his disciples truths and concepts about the kingdom of God. Remember, it was difficult for his disciples to understand the kingdom. Jesus was challenging them. He was teaching them to see the kingdom differently than the way that they were taught growing up in synagogue. And so it was hard for them to wrap their mind around Jesus's teaching on the kingdom. So Jesus would teach them in parables. And parables in Greek literally mean throwing alongside. Jesus' stories were thrown alongside to strengthen the true meaning of what he was trying to convey about the kingdom of God. 
And stories are much better vehicles to carry truth than something that's just said plainly. Stories stick in our mind better than bullet-pointed factual truths. This is a story that will stick in your mind. I I want you to listen to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, the parable of the lost sheep. Just listen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The religious leadership of Israel prided themselves on looking the part and acting like they kept every jot and tittle of the law. So they took that pride that they had and they distinguished themselves from anyone that didn't meet their requirements. And so Jesus is seen by the religious leadership engaging with sinners. And a sinner for the religious person could be a Jewish person who doesn't keep Jewish law, keep kosher, or even a Gentile. It's someone who doesn't meet their standards. And Jesus wants to meet with them, and even eat with them. The religious Jewish community had strict rules on how Jewish people should eat with one another. Religious Jewish people were scared if their own people ate with non-Jews or Jews who didn't practice Judaism, those people could fall away from the faith. So they would borderline demand their people to not eat with sinners and non-Jews. So when the Pharisees and scribes saw Jesus interacting and eating with sinners— This flew in the face of all the man-made laws that they had established, and Jesus wanted to make sure they knew how God views sinners. And really, this is such an amazing way to see the parables. A parable is a true-to-life story from God's perspective, the way God sees things. And this story is about a man who owned a hundred sheep. And now, having a hundred sheep doesn't mean you're the richest of the shepherds, but it does mean that you make good money. And and I guess you could say that this shepherd was kind of a middle-class shepherd. The shepherd realized he was missing one sheep from his flock, and he risked leaving 99 sheep to find the one. And when he found that one missing sheep, he rejoiced. And notice this parable shows that that one lost sheep had the same value as the 99. That the shepherd would actually risk the 99% of his flock. Remember, it said in the parable that he left them out in an open field. That means somebody could just come take those 99 sheep or uh, a wolf or something could come and eat them. But but the point is this, is that he risked that 99% of his flock for the one missing sheep. And Brian Welch was one of those missing sheep He got caught up in the endless cycle of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And the band that he was in would sing songs that would make you blush. 
Welch said that his life was about to implode until a friend gave him a Bible. And through that witness, Brian Welch gave his life to Christ. He said, it's not about religion. It's not about me. It's about the book of life. And everybody needs to be taught this. It's crazy. It's going to do stuff like this, like change a guy in a rock band. Brian recently said that through the work of Christ, everything in his life has found restoration. His, his life, his motivations, his relationships, everything. The focus of the parable happens at the end of the story. When that one lost sheep is found, the shepherd in verse 5 is seen carrying it home on his shoulders, rejoicing. And rejoicing is the focus here. The joy that is experienced when that one lost sheep who is wandering away aimlessly is found. See, rabbis in the past would say that God found joy in watching the downfall of the sinner. But Jesus is countering that teaching by saying that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner who was lost is now found. And the question for us as believers in Jesus is where do we stand? Are we like Christ who engages and eats with the sinners, or are we like the Pharisees and scribes who judge? I'll tell you, I think it's really easy to fall into the pharisaical trap of Christianity. When we begin to impose our man-made laws on others and forgetting that God has a heart for everyone, even the people we least expect to follow Christ. And here's my challenge. Next time you feel compelled to judge, remember the story of the lost sheep. Remember the reason Jesus spoke it to begin with. It was because of the judgmental spirit of the Pharisees. And instead of judging, pray for that person who needs Christ. Instead of judging, pray for that lost sheep that he or she might be found by the Father. And you know what? Maybe God is using you to call that person to Christ. Pray. Instead of judging, pray. I hope you enjoyed our series on the parables. You know, they're such rich stories that carry the truth of God's kingdom agenda an agenda that he wants us to know so that we can live kingdom lives today according to his word. Let these parables plant themselves like seeds in your heart and let them grow and produce fruit so that the words and teachings of Jesus might change you and me from the inside out with the help of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 24, 3, it says, As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming, and at the end of the age? Jesus' disciples were eager as we are today to know the timing of his return as king. 
In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus delivered the well-known Olivet Discourse to help ease the fear that this world may never know true peace. Theologian Dr. Reynolds Showers dives deep into these prophetic passages and gives clarity to this often misunderstood topic. Get your copy of The Sign of His Coming for only $10 plus shipping and handling at foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888-343-6940. Once again, that's foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888-343-6940. Welcome back, everyone. We've been answering the question over the past few weeks of why Jesus spoke in parables. And and if you missed our recent shows, the past two, you can just go to foiradio.org, and there you can hear past episodes and and listen to others as well. So if you want to jog your memory or if you just want to learn more about the parables, just remember you can go to foiradio.org. So parables, like we've been saying, are these true-to-life stories that are designed to come alongside these truthful statements to bolster the truth, to, to make it more memorable. And, and, and it's always important to, to know that stories are much better vehicles to carry the truth than sometimes just saying it plainly. It, it, stories are more likely to stick in our minds than just bull, bullet-pointed factual truths. And like I've said before, I'm pretty sure that the disciples wish Jesus would have just spoken to them a little more plainly uh, about the important things of the kingdom of God. And I'm sure they were thinking that, you know, Jesus, this is enough storytelling. Just give us the facts. You know, why are you speaking in parables? But there were reasons that Jesus chose to speak in parables. And, And last week we saw how Jesus spoke in parables to communicate the truth about the kingdom to his faithful followers. Information that was only for their ears to hear. And so today we're going to finish up our discussion on why Jesus spoke in parables. And since a majority of Jesus' parables were spoken about the kingdom of God, it's fitting that prophecy is at the center of it. It's fitting that prophecy was often connected to the parables. Jesus would often communicate truth about prophetic events through parables. Just listen to the parable of the great banquet from Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry, and he said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, What you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. 
Jesus is communicating a lot of prophetic truth through this one parable. First, think about this. The kingdom of God is equated to a banquet table that everyone is invited to. All people are invited. They're not forced. They're invited. And the imagery of the banquet actually comes from the prophetic passage from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6, which says this, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine and well-refined. You'll notice in this prophetic parable, not everyone accepts the invitation to God's kingdom. Some are too busy and some don't care to go. And you'll also notice Jesus doesn't limit the table to the rich. The poor and the disabled are invited. And for the Jewish audience at that time, Jesus opens the door to non-Jews as well. But what's important to see is that Jesus is saying the invitation to the banquet is now. Refusal to join the banquet means you don't go. The prophetic parable is trying to encourage those listening that the time to respond to God's kingdom invitation is right now. Don't refuse. Because in the future, there will be no seat at the table for you. But in God's good grace, it says in the prophetic parable that we just read, there is still room. Did you hear that? There is still room. My friends, There is still room at the table now. Don't neglect God's invitation. It's his grace and his mercy that's allowing him to invite us into this banquet table, this messianic banquet table. Don't let a stubborn heart get in the way of your seat at God's banquet table. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. On my visit to North America, I met a very orthodox Jewish man. We spoke for only a few minutes, but we quickly became friends. 
When I returned home one day from work, I saw an ultra-Orthodox man whom I had never met before sitting at our table. He introduced himself as a good friend of the man whom I had met in North America. He said I had promised to give my friend something, and my friend sent him to collect it. I want to give you something you do not have, I said. Joy. Are you normal? he asked. Yes, I replied. When I met your friend, he was unhappy like you. He was curious to know how I had found joy, so I explained, just like someone who has walked in darkness and finally sees the light, thanks the Lord for that light, so it is with you. I explained how I came to know the Lord and how I first received joy and happiness. You know I am so afraid. To be afraid is good, I said. It is written in Psalm 112, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Believe me, I also fear the Lord. But I am unhappy because I am sure that what the Lord has given me, he will not take away from me. And what is this? he asked. Salvation, I replied. Forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. My new friend was surprised to see me without a hat. This was hard for him to understand. I questioned, You say what I am telling you is very interesting, but why can we not be good believers and serve the Lord without a hat? Then I quoted Ezekiel 18.31, Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Think about that, I said. What is more important, a new hat or a new heart and a new spirit? Now you have the choice. Receive the Lord as your personal Savior and come out from the darkness and false teaching. I have been here a long time. What is it that you want to give me, he asked. I will give you what the Lord has given to me, I replied. I read Psalm 144, verse 15, where it is written, Happy are the people whose God is the Lord, I told him. I said, we are sinners, but because of his suffering, we can be saved. What? Can God suffer? I then read Isaiah 53. His face changed because he knew it referred to Jesus Christ. And then I quoted Zechariah 12, verse 10, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for a firstborn. Please pray for the salvation of this ultra-Orthodox man. He has been exposed to the truth of the gospel. May the Lord open his eyes and convict his heart.
Check out foiradio.org to purchase Dr. Reynolds Shower's book, The Sign of His Coming, for only $10 plus shipping and handling. Next week, Jerusalem-based journalist Elliot Jagger joins us on the program. And a quick reminder, you can receive Israel My Glory magazine at no cost for a full year. Visit foiradio.org to learn more. That's foiradio.org. Call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You can call anytime, day or night. You can write to us at FOI Radio, PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Quickly again, that's FOI Radio, PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katulka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione. Co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 